Well, you've heard the scripture today. It comes from Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 19a. And the title that I've chosen for today's sermon is God's Dream for Us. God's Dream for Us. If you were here last week or you had a chance to watch it online, you know that last week I talked about things that are not for sale. I talked about how my fiance and I, she's got stuff and I've got stuff and we're trying to figure out what's going to be our stuff. And we've been trying to sell some things, and, but there have been some things that I'm just unwilling to sell. They're just simply not for sale. One of those things is my sleep number bed. I don't know if you've ever slept on a sleep number bed, but for years and years and years, I was suffering from lower back pain, and I tried hard mattresses and soft mattresses and coil springs and memory foam. I tried everything in the world. I tried stretching before bed. I tried stretching when I got out of bed, and nothing really worked. And so really in an act of desperation, one day when I was in the and I saw the sleep number store and so I went in there and I came out the proud new owner of a sleep number bed. So you've got your own number. I'm a 45. We kind of get proud of those numbers, but it, that determines the firmness of the mattress. But then the thing that I love most about the sleep number bed is zero gravity. Uh, you raise up your legs a little bit, you raise up your head a little bit, and it's as if you have taken the gravity off of your lower back. And so that's the way I sleep every night. I guess I'm getting ready for the nursing home, you know, when I get one of those beds. But, but it takes all of that pressure off of my lower back and it is absolutely amazing. I still have just a little bit of pain when I get up in the morning, but nothing like I used to have. It has made my sleep so much better because I'm not waking up in agonizing pain multiple times a night. Now, I'm guessing that Jacob would have liked to have had a sleep number bed. Because here is a guy that has probably had trouble sleeping in his life. I mean, after all, we're told that from the time he was conceived, this guy was in conflict with his twin brother in utero. Uh, you might remember the story, Rebecca, they didn't think they could have children. She and Isaac, all of a sudden she gets pregnant. It's a difficult pregnancy. She even, it's so difficult that she cries out to God and says, I don't even know if this is worth it, if this is the way the pregnancy is going to be. And God told her, said, you are actually carrying twins in your womb. And, and, and the jostling and the conflict, the turmoil that is going inside your belly is nothing compared to what uh, is going to happen after they're born. It is but a foretaste of what is coming. These two brothers are constantly going to be at each other. And the nations that they represent are going to be at each other. And sure enough, that's what happened. 
Last week we talked about how that one day Jacob took advantage of his impulsive and very hungry and slightly older brother Esau. Esau had come in from the field. He'd been hunting, probably hadn't uh, killed anything. He'd probably been gone for several days. He was absolutely famished, it, it, the way he describes it, to the point of death. And, and so he comes back and so uh, Jacob swindles his brother out of his birthright for a piece uh, for a, a, a piece of bread and some stew. Um, hospitality in that day would have determined that he should have given it without asking for anything. And yet he said, "The only way I'll give you my birthright, but only if you give uh, I'll give you soup, but only if you give me my birth your birthright." And so that's what he did. Then there's another story. This time, uh, Isaac is getting old. We're told that he is blind. He can't even see anymore. He's about to die. And so he calls in his oldest son, Esau, who no longer has his birthright. But Isaac wants to give his older son, uh, Esau, a blessing. And so he calls in his older son. He says, I want you to go out and I want you to kill me something. I want to have one more of your great uh, hunt, hunting feasts before I die. And, and I will give you a blessing. And so Esau takes off back into the field. He's going to kill his father something to eat and prepare it and bring it back. But unbeknownst to Esau, Jacob has found out what is going on. Jacob's mother, Rebekah, told him. And so together they concocted a plan. He would put goat hair on his arms and on the back of his neck. He would actually put on one of his older brother's uh, tunics so that he would smell like his older brother. That rugged outdoor smell of, of hunting for all of those years. And they would prepare their own meal and they would, Jacob would take it in and he would try to play himself off as his older brother Esau. So that not only he could have his older brother's birthright but he could also have the blessing. And sure enough, he pulls it off. Isaac is near death. He's blind. Um, he falls for it. And when Esau comes back from the field, having killed something for his father to eat, and he finds out that his younger brother, Jacob, not only has taken his birthright, but now has deceived his father into giving the blessing to Jacob that was meant for Esau and he's ready to kill his brother Jacob. So Jacob has to get out of Dodge. He can't stay around there anymore. His brother is out to kill him. And so Jacob decides after he talks with his mother Rebecca. That he's going to go and he's going to stay with his uncle Laban. And so when we read about our scripture this morning, Jacob is on his way to his uncle Laban's house. And it would have probably taken him a month to get from where he was in Beersheba all the way to Haran. So he is on his way to his uncle's house when he decides to stop for the night. And friends, there was no sleep number bed where he decided to stop that night. We're told that he had to instead grab a stone and use the stone as a pillow and the earth was his bed. 
And I can only imagine, after all that he'd done, the way he'd swindled his brother out of his birthright, the way he'd deceived his father out of the blessing, the way that they had constantly and likely been out uh, in conflict with each other their entire lives. It would have been difficult enough for that guy to go to sleep at night, but when you add to it that he's got a stone for a pillow and earth for a ground, I'm guessing that he wished that he had a sleep number bed and yet it doesn't appear as if he had any trouble going to sleep when he goes to sleep we're told that he begins to have a dream and that in this dream there is actually a ladder or a stairway or a ramp of different translations phrase it in different ways that that goes from earth all the way up to heaven And on this stairway, on this ramp, on this ladder, there are actually angels, messengers of God who are going up and down and up and down and up and down. But God is not on that stairway. God is not on that ramp. God is not on that ladder. We're told that God is standing beside that uh, ladder. And this is what God says to uh, Jacob. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. Uh, And all the families of the earth will be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and that I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised for you. I don't understand why God would say this. Where's the rebuke? Where is God saying to Jacob, I can't believe all the things that you have done to your brother Esau. Or where's the apology? Where's the confession? Where's the contrition that, okay, so maybe I shouldn't have deceived my older, my father into giving me the the blessing that was deserved uh, by my older brother. I mean, this is a guy who has been in conflict with his brother ever since they were in the womb. He actually came out of the womb holding on to the heel of his brother as if he was trying to pull his brother back in so that he could come out first. This is a guy that has done despicable things over and over again. Where is his apology? I mean, the only other time that Jacob has ever even mentioned God is when he was trying to deceive his father into thinking that he was Esau. And Isaac couldn't believe that Esau would have had time to go out and kill an animal and prepare it and bring it back. And and he wants to know how that was possible. And Jacob, posing as Esau, said, well, your God granted me success. So the only time that Jacob's ever even mentioned God before, he doesn't even claim God as his own God. He refers to God simply as Isaac's God. So why would God bless Jacob in the way that God said that God would bless Jacob in our scripture lesson this morning? I think the first reason is because God's love isn't dependent 
upon who we are or what we've done. God loves you regardless of anything that you've ever done in your life, anything that you've said, anyone that you've hurt, any despicable thing that you've ever done, nothing that you have ever done, nothing that you have ever said, nothing that you have ever been has kept God from loving you. And I think that's why God blessed Jacob. It's because even though he had done some despicable things, God was still able and God was still willing to work in and through his life. And God still loved Jacob with an unending love. And God wanted to be in relationship with Jacob, despite the fact that he deceived, despite the fact that he had swindled, despite the fact that he was always in conflict. God wants to be in relationship with him. And that's really God's dream for us, too. It doesn't matter what we've done. God still loves us. God still wants to be in relationship with us. The whole idea of this ladder reaching from heaven all the way down to earth is a way of saying that God does not desire to govern the world from afar or relate to God's people from afar. But God seeks that intimate connection to come from heaven down to earth to be in relationship with us. The second thing that stands out to me in the text this morning is that God uh, seeks to come in grace rather than judgment. I believe that God's desire to redeem and to save and to restore is greater than any other desire that God has. And so here is a guy, if anybody deserved judgment for the things that he had done, it would be Jacob. And yet, God closes the gap, and God comes to him not in judgment, but in grace. And God says, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless your offspring, and I will never leave you until you have received what I have promised. God seeks to give us what we need. Uh, Rather than what we deserve. The psalm says it this way. That the Lord is slow to anger. And abounding in steadfast love. The last thing that I'd lift up to you this morning. Is indeed what God said to Jacob. That I promise to be with you. Wherever you go. I will never leave you. This is the God that had pursued Jacob, even when Jacob had done some horrible things. And this is the God that says, I don't care what you've done. I will never leave you. I'm going to always be there for you. You can count on my faithfulness. You can count on my love. I will not abandon you. So when Jacob awoke, he confessed The Lord was in this place. And I didn't even know it. It's as if Jacob was saying God is always closer than we think. 
And even when we don't do what we should do, even though when we fail ourselves and our families and our friends and our God, God still seeks to come to us, to be connected to us, to be in relationship with us. And there's a really good chance that when God comes to us, that God will come in grace, not judgment. That God's desire is to give us what we need, not what we deserve. God wants us to be in relationship. And God promises to be with us in the very best days and in the very worst of days. I believe that's why Jacob's dream and what he learned about God in that dream makes this God's dream for us as well. God wants to be in relationship with us. God comes in grace, not judgment. And God promises to be with us and never leave us and always love us.